Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. I'd be nervous that look, we have to get our game plan right. We have to we have to get our, our tactics right. We also need guys to step up. We need Kenny Lads have to perform above and beyond what they've done so far. Next year or the year after, I think it needs to be an outside manager. And the lad who spoke so highly of him on the Sunday game, he could be the man to, to you know, man that could fit in well there. Liam Sheedy's. Treachery, treachery oh. that would be. Treachery. <laughs> that one's a car. No and look, way. And, and look, it's, it's 17 years. It's, it's nearly gone on 18 years without an All-Ireland. Hello and welcome to the Throwing Independent.ie's GA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and I am delighted to be joined for our hurling quarterfinal review by Michael Verney, Eddie Brennan and John Milan. And Eddie, I might go to you first. We have Galway and Clare advancing to the All-Ireland semi-finals. After dramatic victories over Cork and Wexford, respectively, on Saturday in Turles. And I suppose although the games maybe weren't high quality throughout, there was plenty of drama, especially late on. You know, for you, what was the kind of key talking point now that we've come out of this weekend? Just, I suppose, scrappy matches, really. We, you know, we didn't get a, you know, maybe spectacular games and, and maybe we got spoiled with, with, with probably the Munster final a few weeks ago. But look, there were still. You know, intense. There were still a lot at stake. Um, I think you could say the. You know, looking back on it again, I looked at matches again yesterday for a bit. Like Jesus, you know, I'd say Cork are fierce disappointed today. I think they 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 left. Jesus, I reckon they left at least two eight two nine out there. Um, but but that being said, you know, Galway still done what they had to do. I think uh, they were just that bit more clinical and and economical. Uh, and then the other one, look, um, look, the, the talking point is obviously, you know, maybe maybe Wexford should have had a penalty, but at the same time, um, when the match was there to be won, in fairness to Clare, they stuttered along. They, it took them a long time to get the the dirty deeds out of the system, and they just got over the line in the ends. And uh, I think Darry Egan captured it perfectly. Like was that Wexford just were starting to run out of juice at that stage? But uh, yeah, look, they they were they were enjoyable games, but. Um, you know, I suppose uh, you're still back to your two provincial finalists now advancing and uh, two good semi-finals in store. Yeah, and in stark contrast to the football where all the beaten provincial finalists uh, were, were dumped out the next day. John, we might discuss the Galway Cork game in a little more depth first. You know, Eddie touched on it there, the, the wastefulness from the Cork forwards. I think Kieran Kingston said after the game, only seven shots converted from 24 in the first half when they were, you know, really on top in terms of manufacturing those chances, like, they'll be devastated today to lose by a point and to miss that many chances. Yeah, 100%. And I suppose, look, uh, you know, this talk of the, the three goal uh, goal opportunities that presented itself, um, possibly the one for me that really kind of will be out of those three goals going opportunities that they probably should have converted and it came at a crucial stage. I think he didn't realise how much time he had to actually 
bring the ball right in, in nearly in, in on top of it in a Murphy. You know, and if he would have converted that goal scoring opportunity, it would have closed the gap to uh, to uh, to two points. And that, for me, I think that was the, the the most crucial one out of all the scores that were missed, because you know Galway they had a cushion good in a half time. They were keeping Cork at arm's length, and you just felt Cork throughout the whole course of the game they were just chasing that game. But you know, massive kudos to to Galway, particularly in that second half when. You know, Robbie O'Flynn scored a point, brought it back to within a point, and then uh, Galway go up and get the next three scores from uh, Cooney, Cohen, and uh, Colin Mannion. I feel for me, I think Cork, uh, they made a mistake taking Niall O'Leary. You know, Niall O'Leary was, had the shackles on, on Colin Mannion, and it was very, very shrewd, very clever out of Henry. You know, he moved Colin Mannion into midfield, put him on Luke Mead, and for me, I think Cork made a mistake. They possibly, Keon Kingston, when he reflects on it, looks back and it probably, he should have kept Niall O'Leary on Colin Mannion. He said, you know what? Wherever he goes, you just follow him. A bit like Mikey Buller. Mikey Buller followed uh, Colin Mannion all over the field. And I think that was a bit of a mistake from Cork because, you know, Colin Mannion, he picked off three, three scores in that second half. And, you know, small margins win those games. And, you know, it will be interesting in, in the semi-final, you know, how Limerick go about, you know, what way will they set up with, with, with the likes of a, uh, likes of a Carl Mannion? You know, because Limerick like to kind of keep their line set. Uh, you know, as we've seen, Tony Kelly floated against Limerick, picked off an awful lot of scores. So it will be interesting, you know, will Limerick, you know, uh, design someone to go and marry Carl Mannion? Because you can be bet your bottom dollar in the other semi-final there'll be only one fellow American Tony Kelly wherever he goes Mikey Butler will uh, will follow Tony Kelly uh, yeah I thought that was a bit of a bit of a mistake but you know Cork as Eddie touched on it when they reflect you know it's it, it ultimately that first half killed him and you know tomorrow night they'll start to really feel it that you know they're not going to be going into Parky Queeves they're not going to be going to Parky Ring training they're going to be back with their clubs uh, but yeah look from, from, from Galway's point of view you know, we, we touched on, as Evan Michael touched on it last week, you know, what way would they react? We always knew what way Henry Shefflin, the player, would react. Um, but we were unsure of how Galway would react. Uh, and, you know, Galway under the guidance of, of Henry Shefflin. You know, I'd like to ask even Eddie, you know, what, what way will, will Henry be fe- thinking? What way will he be feeling now in the next few weeks? We know Henry, the player, would relish the opportunity of, of you know, taking Limerick down. Um, you know, you know, could you take us into, you you know Henry better than Nance. Like, what way will he be feeling within, within the next two weeks or what way will he approach the next two weeks, Eddie? Like, I think he's in, he's probably in a little bit of, like, after the Leinster final, say bonus territory. If he had to have said at the start of the year, he'd make a Leinster final and make an all earned semi, he'd have been fierce happy with that his first year at inter-county level. But look, Henry, the player, will be trying to rub off that type of ambition into players and he'll be drilling them now to say it's a massive opportunity. He'll, he'll probably look back and say, look, physically we'll be able to match these Limerick lads. But I suppose, I think what he can't get too bogged down in is maybe focusing, like if you look at Limerick and tactically looking at them, you might go, oh Jesus, who do you mark? Where do you start? So I suppose in some ways the message has to be that his guys. And again, I don't, I don't mean to be dismissive of this. They have a free one. They can just let fly. 
And I think that what Henry would be really maybe embedding in, in, in into his players now is to go and hurl. I think yesterday they, they, they hurled off instinct a little bit more. Now, I'd, I'd like to think he will stay, he will look at that first half and say, lads, we have to defend better. We have to make sure that we don't present those opportunities. Because if there's one team will convert those opportunities, it'll be Limerick. So um, I think tactically, he, he, you may well see him trying to bring lads back a little bit because he cannot afford to give Limerick space. So I'd be interested to see because, as I said from the, the outset, when Henry Shefflin went to Galway, it won't be real. There won't be anything radical in terms of tactical setup and two here, three here, whatever lines. He will be generally pushing the standards with them and, and, and wanting them to be as to express themselves and to go and hurl. And again, that might be a very simplistic approach to this All-Ireland semi-final. They're going to have to look at it tactically and say, how do they go about targeting specific Limerick lads? But at the same time, I think the message from Henry, in my opinion, will be, he will be saying to them, lads, you have an almighty opportunity. You're 73 minutes, 74 minutes away from the All-Ireland final. And, and this could be it for some of the, you know, for you take David Burke, for example. I'm not writing the chap off. If he can get a massive return out of him and say, look, he might have felt, look, at he, he might be, them days are going past him. Maybe earlier on this year, they might have felt that. But now they're, they're on the brink. Uh, Goliath is in front of them, but we'll see. The pressure was on on Saturday on Galway. And they, like you could see the release in Henry. You could see the release yeah, in all yeah. the players. So I do agree with Eddie. And like it's like the last time... Uh, the last, like if you were there's some similarities between Kilkenny were beaten in the 2019 Leinster uh, final by Wexford disappointing performance got through their quarter final then they were the last team to beat Limerick in an All-Ireland semi-final when nobody gave them a chance like Limerick were overwhelming favourites exactly as they will be going into this semi-final so I do think there are similarities there Um, I do agree with what Eddie says there though like Galway cannot be as open at the back as they were at different stages the other day. Cork didn't take the chances, but there's nothing sure than than Limerick will. But it's just interesting from Henry analysing Limerick on the Sunday game. And, you know, I'm sure he was half thinking what would he like to do if he met them. Now the proof will be in the pudding when he actually sets up a team to meet them in an All-Ireland semi-final. So I think that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, a long layoff for Limerick as well. Uh, they, they've been on ice for a while, so maybe that might uh, play against something was similar in 2019 when they played for Kenny, as you referenced there, Michael. And just to finish up on that game, Eddie, look, from a core perspective, you know, where do they go from here? As John said, it'll be a tough couple of days as they kind of come to terms with their elimination. You know, when they think towards 2023 eventually, like what do you think they need to maybe add or subtract in some cases potentially to, to maybe take that next step? Yeah, well, I think I think look, Kieran Kingston is obviously the first one that 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 will probably people will look at and wonder will he be you know will he be will he continue in charge and that's something that I think he has definitely earned the right to make that decision himself or whatever and I'm I'm certainly not saying his job is up for grabs or anything like that but going forward in terms of the players like I mean I just felt yesterday look again the the, the old failings just came back to Cork and that. There's just not that real bloodthirsty ruthlessness in them like and and I think that's where. Uh, you know, that's what probably separates Limerick from from maybe other teams at the moment is that by God, when they sniff a chance or they create a chance, they'll they'll they finish it. And Cork, you know, for all the chances yesterday, and, and I'd have been disappointed, like as John said, the goal to go on opportunities. But I do think in Joyce they have a six, and, and it's where they they build around them after that. You know, I think you know, some of their backs yesterday were were quite disappointing. Um, I think you know, they're they're almost I think the process is holding them back a tiny bit. I mean, 
And I and I made that contrast in the article this morning. You know, I, I think they took him six or seven passes to create a scoring opportunity where there was over and back in front of the goal. And fair enough, that's the game they have decided to play. But I definitely think it needs to be a little bit more efficient and a little bit more direct because they, they, they're supremely fit, but their game is so built on it. And I just think as well, Hurling is a is a combative sport, and I know it's 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 we've we've seen a lot about it, plus and negatives recently. But Cork just don't seem to want to engage in those physical battles, and I think any team from from my experience or any like you have to be willing to get hurt to win in All Ireland, and and I just at the moment, and again, it's very easy for me to sit here now in the cold light of day and reflect on. But I'm just not seeing that real edge to Cork. I just see that real desire to get over the line. And look, I, I spoke earlier, perhaps if Kieran Kingston decides he's he's had enough, you know, is it time for someone like Ben O'Connor? You know, someone like that could be could be someone that could really do a body of work with those players. But there's a good squad there, but they're, they're, I don't know if it's just something in the heads, it just 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 needs working or needs finishing. I, I think the opposite. I, I think the opposite. Now, look, as you, as you touched on, Eddie, I think Kieran Kingston deserves time to, you know, decide for himself whether he's going to stay or go. But I think the opposite. I think they need to go outside. Their next manager, whether it be next year or the year after, I think it needs to be an outside manager. And the lad who spoke so highly of him on the Sunday game, he could be the man to, to you know, yeah. man that could fit in well there. Liam Sheedy, style manager. Treachery, you know, treachery, that would be treachery. Don't Cork. And look, it's it's seventeen years. It's it's nearly gone on eighteen years without an All Ireland. That's far too long for for Cork to be going without All All Ireland, Michael. So if it takes someone like a Liam Sheedy to come in and change the whole mindset, change the whole culture, so be it. It there definitely is a mindset change. Uh, I agree with John in part, yeah. but I also uh, have spoken to Ben and know his mentality and know, um, know, I would say, the failings that he sees in Cork Hurling. And I think what Eddie is saying there, I definitely think he would uh, attack them mentally and even physically in how they would approach the game and it'd be a bit of a different approach. But listen, Kieran, Kieran could still be there next year. We don't know. Um, it's going to be interesting in the off-season because this is second time around. He will be going into his fourth season the second time around. And I think even the, the future of a couple of their marquee is going to be interesting to be followed very closely over the next couple of months, without a doubt. Yeah, Patrick Horgan, for one, is one guy who will have a big decision to make on his future over the next couple of weeks. The other semi or quarterfinal, then, Eddie, you know, similarly to maybe Galway Cork, it was dramatic at the end, but maybe not really high quality throughout, as you touched on at the start. But ultimately, Claire did get the job done, that late rally, taking them past Wexford. You know, you, the, the penalty incident was key. Maybe we just touch on that first. Like, should, should Wexford have had a penalty, do you think, at the end? Yeah, I, I, I think so, if you, if you look at it. And fair enough, it might have been difficult for Pod of Dwyer to see it, but surely his, his, his umpire should be able to help him out a little bit there. Like, I mean, there's absolutely no attempt by the defender to, to, to stop him or anything like that, bar wrestling him down. And, and I think, you know, just I thought last night, just on the Liam Sheedy, Liam Sheedy reference something last night, which I found was just a bit bizarre that, that an official was instructed to imagine that roughly 25 metres in is the area now for penalties and stuff. And look, I, I, I think you'd like a little bit of confirmation that surely to God, we're not, you're not, we're not going telling our officials to guess roughly where that line is. Like, I mean, that rule is brought in for good reason. But I think if we're going to expect our officials to implement it, then then try make it, try close it down as much as possible. But it looked it looked it because 
Uh, and at the time of the match, it was significant. You know, uh, Wexford get one there. That, that puts them in a really, really commanding position. But um, And they can feel rightly aggrieved. But look, Claire stuttered through that match. They, they, they mixed it, uh, the good with the, the, the bad generally. But it was only when the opportunity did present, I suppose, they had the know-it-all and, and, and the cuteness and, and even the players to go and finish it. Wexford, to be fair to them, put in, put everything on the line, you know. But to lose someone like Rory O'Connor, whose form maybe had dipped in the early championship, but seemed to be back where he needed to be. And I think it's just a big ask, uh, you know, to do it without him. I think if they have someone like him coming down the straight, he may well be able to manufacture a few frees or a few scores for them. So ultimately, uh, Wexford will be fierce disappointed. But Clare now, look, all the sideshows are gone now. They, they, they'll be able to focus solely on the, the All-Ireland semi-final. And look, like I said, when the opportunities came, uh, big impact off the bench again as well, which was significant. And, and Aaron Shanahan is a guy I rate. Like he's a handful and a big fella like him, he caused havoc in there. And Jester was a goalkeeping error that probably contributed too. So it had a, a bit of drama of sorts as well. I think the penalty call is in, is fascinating, Will, because genuinely, before uh, before I watched the Joe McDonough final, I thought they'd gotten rid of the black card thing in Hurland. I swear, I swear to God, I actually thought they trialed it for the league and it wasn't in championship because they just, to me, it looks like there's been an edict handed down or said, listen, avoid, avoid making these decisions where possible. Um, because basically, since the James Owens, uh, Aidan McCarthy incident here, like we haven't been talking about it since. And I'd say even Pado Dwyer, like his because it's not, you know, the narrative is not there out, it's not been talked about. His initial thought would not have gone to is this a penalty? I that's my genuine that's my genuine opinion. I just don't think it's something that has just it's there in the background, it's a rule, but it's not really been enforced at inter-county at the moment, been honest. That's 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 my own opinion on it. Um and like that would have thrown Wexford a lifeline. The game had turned in Clare's favour at that stage. If Leachin scores that penalty, uh, it's a draw match. Clare down to fourteen, and all of a sudden, who knows? Momentum, yeah. Yeah, who know? Who knows thereafter? But from a Clare point of view, I know Eddie and John have both been there at different stages throughout their career. How satisfying is it to win a game when you basically play stink for about sixty minutes, and it looks like everything is against you? All your marquee men is quiet. You've missed eight frees in total throughout the game, and you still somehow find a result. Uh, lads have been patting them on the back for the last two weeks, telling them how great they were. Oh, it'd be great when you get another crack at Limerick in an All Ireland final. All this sort of you know nonsense that seeps into your mindset a small bit. So to me, that was the the perfect way for Clare to win the other day. And as Eddie said, there a couple of guys put their hands up. Aaron Shannon, Shane Me, and probably put their hands up for you know. Uh, an even heavier involvement in an All Ireland semi final. Yeah, it's funny. With about ten minutes to go, it looked like we could have three left teams in the uh, semi finals. Yeah. Which, given the amount <laughs> of debates we've had on the show about how much stronger the Munster Championship was, what would have been a, a funny turnaround. John, one thing we talked about in the build up to the game was whether the the sideshow of the suspension issue would kind of seep into Clare. Tom Dempsey joined us before the match last week and said that, you know, in Clare, sometimes a distraction like that can feed in negatively and they get a bit distracted and worked up about it. Do you think that contributed to, I know the lads ended up playing, but contributed to their slow start, their kind of poor performance up until the last quarter? Possibly did, and we've seen it in the first game, you know, look at two out of three players where were taken off, Keenan Fatty, Henry whipped them off after, what, 28, 29 minutes, and Brian Lone, 
whipped Rory Hayes off the eight, eight, off, after eight or nine minutes. What wheel around? I was like, is this guy injured? Injured? Is he carrying injury? No, he wasn't. Uh, you know, he such a slow start. You know, and that just goes to show you, you know, the type of manager you're dealing with, Brian Lowen, to, to be able to go and do that and whip a lad off after eight or nine minutes. That can be quite difficult for uh, for uh, Rory Hayes, you know, Peter Duggan. You know, he was he was reasonably, reasonably okay. But outside of that, I just think we'll... I think, we, I think we're not giving the Wexford uh, uh, enough credit, uh, particularly in, in, in how they set up. You know, they got their matchups right. They really, really honed in on, on, on Clare. They looked at Clare, the four players, Ryan Taylor, David Richard, Tony Kelly, Shane O'Donnell. They were the prominent for Clare in the month. And, uh, you know, massive kudos to, uh, to, to Barry Egan and his management team. They really honed in on those, those four players, rifling. They put Shane Reck on Tony Kelly. All the talk all week is that Damien Reck was going to be on Tony Kelly. Damien Reck then went on to Shane O'Donnell and Paddy Foley. You know, he went on to Peter Dogan. No, sorry, he went on to David Sherrod and Matthew Hamlin went on to uh, Peter Dogan. And they got they got massive reward. And it was only when when those the two the two wrecks had to go off. Connor David then got moved out on the on the Ryan Taylor midfield. It upset him. Uh, Connor David then had to go over on to Tony Kelly and how they particularly used Dio Keefe as well. He he played as a sweeper, but it was he didn't sit behind the centre back. He went over to one side of the field, so he cut that channel. So it, it, that was that was very very interesting how how they used Dio Keefe. And then when Dio Keefe went off, you know, uh, a massive massive loss with, with with the two legs. So yeah, I think Grant is. Player when they had to go and do the business in, in the last ten to twelve minutes, they they came with all the answers. But I think we Wexford deserve great credit. And when Barry Egan reflects on the year, you know, great great credit has to go to him. How they bounce back after after the Dublin defeat, how they bounce back after the West Mead draw, and he reflects on the year and say maybe that that Dublin game, if, if they beat Dublin that day, they could have very easily been in the Leinster final and possibly could have pushed on and won the Leinster final. So maybe next year, when it does go back in December, January, you know, the target most certainly has to be, lads, you know what? We can push on and win an extra final this year and get back to, get back to an All-Ireland semi-final. Yeah, he's actually said as much after, John. He said basically the fact that they were in Leinster, weren't in a Leinster final was on them and he felt it was a, a winnable Leinster, Leinster title there. So, yeah, just, just ran out of bodies really at the end. Like Dermot O'Keefe, uh, missed a ball uh, underneath the stand. Aaron Shannon put it over, and he, he just looked tired. I think he was carrying a knock into the game anyway. He came off, and Kevin Foley, who's brilliant in that sweeper role, but just is just out of form at the moment, came in and just didn't have the same impact. But they definitely deserve a lot of credit. They uh, they had their tactics spot on. Listen, it might be uh, unbelievably good to look at because they're, you're more maybe stifling the opposition um, than playing real free for on hurling. But they put themselves in a really, really good position. And as Eddie said earlier, if they'd had a game changer like Rory O'Connor still on the field, a lad that, you know, with one ball could get that score or could win those couple of frees that they needed to keep things ticking over. I think they were outscored one ten to four points down the stretch. They just they were just missing and they were missing too many players. They weren't enough of their marquee men on at the end of the game, unfortunately for them. Plus, plus, plus as well, lads, lads uh, Michael Dignan touched on his commentary. He's 100% right. 
you know, you can't be having two men, having that outlet, two big men on the edge of the square, and, you know, it causes unbelievable consternation. And tactics, systems of play go out the window. And, you know, maybe, you know, if you're going to take down a Limerick or whatever, player now have an Aaron Shanahar, you have a Peter Duggan, you know, Kilkenny have it in their, in, in their armory, you know, big Walter, big TJ Reid. You know, you can't, I mean, I, I'll take it back. When we, we played Lismore back in 2012 and we were hot favourites the same day. No one was giving Lismore any chance. What did Lismore do? They put the two big Shanahans, Stan and Morris, on the edge of the square. Causes untold problems. And we were lucky to get out of the skin of our teeth the same day. And maybe that's something where the likes of a Claire now or Kilkenny will look and say, you know what, we'll vary it up. We can play that. We can go long and we can go short. But having two big outlets on the edge of the square, you know, we've seen it the weekend. It causes, causes unbelievable consternation in it. Yeah, speaking of that Clare Kilkenny game, like how are you kind of assessing that from you know two weeks out? You know, the last two years, Kilkenny and Leinster champions have been overturned by a Munster opponent in the semi-final. What do they need to do this time around to to go one better? I think Kilkenny have a huge body of work to do just to get themselves right. I mean, they'll have a good. They, they need to price Clare really well now and get their matchups right. I mean, Wexford definitely showed a template of of how to go about impacting it. And look, the obvious one that we're talking about. You know, you know, maybe Brian Cody won't be listening to us anyway. But like Mikey Butler looks to be tailor made to to track Tony Kelly because I think he's definitely they saw yesterday that if if he's tracked, he can be nullified. You know, he still comes up with those spectacular scores. But yeah, no. Overall, I'm I'm concerned because I think they are in a good place now. I think they've they've got the dirty diesel out of the system. Uh, they've great competition for places you know I mean can you imagine going training out to Clare maybe Wednesday night now when they get back and there's an internal match or something like that they're going to be chomping at the bit they're all going to want to be on the team um, Kilkenny I don't think they'll fear him I think they'll relish it actually but um, you know I'd be hopeful I'd be nervous that look, we have to get our game plan right we have to we have to get our, our tactics right we also need guys to step up. We need Kilkenny lads have to perform above and beyond what they've done so far. Uh, but it's going to be a cracking semi-final. Um, and again, as I said earlier on, look, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a repeat of the Munster final. But uh, equally, um, this is this is territory that Kilkenny have good experience. Um, it's, it, it has the ingredients of a cracker, to be honest. And look, I obviously, as a Kilkenny man, certainly hope we do come out the, the far side of it. But uh, we will definitely have to perform above and beyond what we've done so far this year, uh, and I just I, I definitely can't wait for that one. Well, hopefully, we get two good semi-finals in a few weeks' time. But for now, Eddie John, thanks so much for joining us. All the best, All right. man. We're going to turn our attention to the Talchon Cup now on the Throne Podcast. And Michael, I suppose that weekend was one we had earmarked from a while out in terms of getting the showcase on the Sunday with the two televised games. We had Calvin beating Sligo. We had Westmead beating Offaly. Did you think ultimately it was a good showcase for the competition? Did it get a, you know a good bit of attention in your view? Yeah, I have to say I, I do really. I think it worked out well. Even RT bringing um, players that played in the competition and played against the teams that were involved. I thought that was that was a great idea. They all had in depth knowledge. I thought it was quite refreshing, really. Um, as I was saying to you there off air, there was forecasted only to be only about 8,000 there. There was double that, in fairness. The same amount that we're at two All-Ireland qualifiers um, a couple of weeks ago involving Clare and Roscommon and Kildare and Mayo. Mayo are obviously particularly well supported. So they would have been happy from, from that point of view. I just think 
um, there's a lot there's a lot of kind of good vibes around it. You heard Gerard McKiernan saying after, you know, we're really prepared for an All Ireland semi final. Like that's the way he's treating it. It is an All Ireland semi final. It's a second tier competition, but it's an All Ireland semi final. I think managers have been really, uh, really forceful in. Uh, making the competition legitimate, not allowing players to leave, not, you know, encouraging players to stay on. Very few people have left squads. Um, so I know I think it's been, I think it's been a roaring success and I was, had, would have had my doubts beforehand. My only, uh, the only pity for it is that Colin Keyes' two predictions for the semi-finals both worked out, unfortunately, and my own Offaly were beaten, but can have very little arguments about it. Uh, Westmead were much the better team from start to finish. Um, Larkin Dolan got a couple of goals. John Heslin got, I think, five from play. Sam McCartan chipped in as well. And yeah, they were much the better team. And for for uh, the validity of the competition, it's probably got its best, you know, the best final pair and it could have got. The two teams that were probably first and second favourites going into it in Cavan and Westmead. And it should be a very good final. I went to the game myself yesterday and I was just talking to a friend at halftime was, you know, just staging the two semifinals in Croke Park. You know, you mentioned that they got a better crowd than they had anticipated, but I was, I was wondering, was, would it have been better to play it in a smaller venue, you know, somewhere outside of Dublin and maybe got a, a more kind of intense atmosphere, you know, closer in on the pitch. Like it was said that, oh, you know, the players like really love to play in Croke Park. But I was saying like, is it, is it that great for a player to play in like a kind of an almost, you know, at, at, water full croak park is that really kind of a dream coming true for some players yeah players don't care uh they wouldn't actually care okay. if there was yeah they wouldn't care if there was nobody there uh they, i think yeah, there's two arguments to that the players just lo- love playing in crow park like not many of those awfully guys would have played in crow park outside of the under 20s and some guys who would have played in maybe a leinster quarter final in 2013 up there or league final division three uh in 2020 they wouldn't be playing there that much so they love that but from a spec and an atmosphere I think that game and played in Mullingar Tullamore Port Leash from an Offaly point of view or Westmead point of view you're probably guaranteeing more people there and a cauldron and everybody in on top and that kind of yeah just that you know the atmosphere and the buzz that a big kind of crowd in a smaller venue brings so I kind of see both arguments but I've chatted a couple of players about that and they genuinely don't care they don't care they love the idea of playing in Crow Park because the opportunities are so few and far between. Like Sligo guys, like how often would the Sligo guys get to play in Crow Park? Different for a Westmead or an Offaly who get the odd provincial game in Crow Park. Sligo, you know, it's very, very sparingly. I think I was chatting to Paddy O'Connor, the Sligo forward last week. He said only five of the Sligo lads have played in Crow Park. They were absolutely, they couldn't wait for it. But I get, I get the flip side of it. Uh, Sligo supporters, it's probably a good bit of hardship on them. And uh, it's probably financially an awful better for everybody else if it was played maybe at a neutral venue. But so I kind of see both arguments. And maybe there's a point to be made that it should only be the final that's in Crow Park and it makes it even more marquee and you get you're playing for that big stage. But I kind of see both arguments to it in fairness. Well, fair enough if you've actually talked to the players, because that was what I was wondering yesterday. Do the players themselves kind of relish the opportunity, even if there's not a huge crowd there? But as you say, a lot of them do. So you know, it kind of gives certainly a, a boost for, for the argument for holding the semi there. Just in terms of Offaly, you know, you mentioned their disappointing defeat. John Mahan has been there for a couple of years now and he, you know, has brought them forward, like Division Two promotion. I know they end, end up getting relegated, but we're still a big step forward. Do you think he'll stay on after this season or do you think uh, it might have been his last game in charge? Difficult one. Um, I know he cited travel commitments. Like, that. It's like he's travelling a huge distance from Mayo. Um, 
two or three, probably three times a week minimum, which like I drive down from Dunboyne to Borough for training a couple of times a week and it takes a toll on my body. So I can't imagine it's like driving from Mayo. Um, he's been there four years. And I tell you what, the one thing I would really say is he has always looked at the bigger picture. He, he blooded the young guys when like they need to be blooded now. And maybe, you know, you'd say some in other counties, some managers would only look at the here and now, whereas I think he's, he's looked at the bigger picture. He's four years there. He obviously had Tomas O'Shea in his coach as selector this year. It'd be interesting to see. We, we need to be very careful with our next appointment. Um, maybe the the under-20 uh, All-Ireland winner manager, Declan Kelly, will get it. Um, or then if, if not him, they need to be very careful with the appointment if, if John does step away. But he he's done, you have, you'd have to say, awfully have been consistent. And with what we have available to us, that's all you want. You're probably not going to get any big highs. You just don't want the big lows. You want to be consistent. And that's, in fairness, they have been. Now, yesterday, the first half was probably the worst half of football they've played under him. You'd have, you'd have to say that too. Uh, but that was partly due to us and partly due to Westmead as well, in fairness. And then just to finish up on the Talchin Cup, who do you fancy in the final? Cavan Westmead, to be fair, were probably the two teams from the outset that a lot of people had predicted might might contest the final. It'll be a good occasion because it, I think it's the curtain raiser to the side of the draw where you're guaranteed to have kind of a novelty semi-final pairing or re- reasonably novel given they haven't probably been there for a couple of years. So there could be a you know a very excited you know four set the fans there on the day. But who do you, who do you think might come out on top on that one? Uh, just on, on yesterday's game, I think it was just, I think Cavan hit the first six points went over the bar, the first six shots. Sligo's first six shots, they ended up with nothing on the scoreboard. Uh, and while Niall Murphy kind of had turned the tide for Sligo when he came on, they, you know, Cavan just always had that little bit extra class. They're 13 different scorers. Cavan is a kind of a funny one. They have a, a few marquee men, obviously, but generally when they play well, the whole team plays well. Um, and I think, they, I think they might just have a point or two to spare over Westmead in the final. But as you said there, I think it's built up for the best final we could have. Uh, the two best teams, pretty much a 50-50 game. Um, yeah, it should, it should be a better of a final. Probably just uh, give the nod ever so slightly to Cavan, I'd say. And like it's, it's gas. It's only 19 months ago or so that they won an Ulster title. Um, and so it's good to have that calibre of team in a second-tier final, the first one. I think it's been sold well so far. It's been sold well so far. And, uh, yeah, we've gotten the final that we needed to push it over the edge a bit more. Yeah, well, hopefully we get treated to a good final in a couple of weeks' time. But for the moment, that's all we have time for on the Throne Podcast. We'll be back later in the week with another show with Philly McMahon to discuss all the latest football talking points. In the meantime, you could subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening, and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.